Hey everyone, this is Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for women's storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. For creatives, by creatives, location locks. Wish you could find production staff that's professional and easy to work with. Do you lose a lot of time trying to find the perfect location? Then you'll love Location Lock, a peer-to-peer marketplace that offers filmmakers and content creators like yourself the opportunity to book locations and services needed for your next big project or event. Location Lock can also help spread the word about your next open photography session or casting call. It's a win-win. Visit LocationLock.com today and get started. And today I get to sit down and chat with Maya Table. I'm excited because as you know, I love finding people on social media and then getting like consumed with their work. And if you don't know her, you'll know her before the end of the show. Welcome Maya. Hi, thank you, thank you. (laughs) So everybody knows, you might not know because you might not have listened in, I uh, like asking kind of quirky questions at the beginning because I'm just random like that. (laughs) So you got saved a little bit today because usually I've been asking people like this or that and they had to choose between a series of questions. So instead, because I'm also slightly greedy, I wanted to ask you, what was the last restaurant that you've been to that was like your favorite and you have to go back again? Ooh, that's easy. Juicy crab. <laughs> mm, where is that? That sounds good because I love so seafood. Good. This so good. It's a good ratchet time too. It's um, there's I think about five in Georgia, um, and a few in other states. But it's basically like a restaurant that sells everything that you have at home in a crab oil. Mm. Oh, it's just so great. Mm-hmm. They even give you the gloves. They give you uh, oh, yeah. apron. It's so good. <laughs> Now look, I'm over here hungry. <laughs> you're like, you're like the juicy crab. Where? How close to me? <laughs> right. That sounds good. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I also like to know, like, how do people come up with names? So I was looking and I saw that your production company is called Sam Frank Productions, and mm-hmm. I know that you named it after your grandfather. Why did you decide to do that? First off, how did you know I named it after my grandfather? Let's turn the attention on you here. I'm like, because a lot of people don't know that. So that's the reason. I'm a research junkie. <laughs> uh, so my granddad was a hobbyist. So he used to have so many film cameras laying around the house all the time. And a few years before he passed, for some reason, I kept bugging him to give me his film cameras. And the year before he passed, he was finally like, okay, here's my camera. And he gave them to me. Um, and so when he did pass, I was like, when I was thinking of a name, so he normally goes by Sam Table, but his middle name was Frank. And I thought Sam Frank was so cute. So um, I decided to name it Sam Frank. I, I do think Thanks. Sam Frank is cute. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And my parents are retired and my mom keeps saying, you know, your daddy can join the family business. I'm like, it's, it's not a family business, mom. She's like, oh. <laughs> He's like, okay, let me not let him to join. <laughs> Don't show him down like that. Find something for him to do. <laughs> I'll find something. <laughs> that is funny. So you studied film and video. And I wanted to ask you, why music videos? Uh, because they're fun. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do, um, so music videos are probably maybe only 40% of what I do, mm-hmm. but they just get the most publicity because nobody cares about this corporate stuff that I do. It's like, you're doing, you're shooting what? Okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. But where's the Migos? So it's really only 40%. And, um, you know, it's like they are stressful, but the end result is just really cool to see something that you've worked on for a minute to be on screen and, and people can feel it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the corporate spots, you don't know if people really feel it or understand it. You know, it's coming at a high volume of what people want, but you don't you don't get the reaction. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another reason. But uh, mainly because I started because they were fun, but now I'm seeing them as stress. I'm like, mm, 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 stressful. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. So how do you uh, manage your stress? Because you like, like you said, people see, um, you know, the music videos you do. And of course, like that's going to get the most attention. But how Mm -hmm. are you able to manage stress and just take care of your self-care? I think the biggest part is just kind of managing expectations. And so what I start to have to do is when I first meet an artist or a director, the very first conversation, I say, hey, this is me and I'm really chill. Y'all are not going to stress me out. This is my temperament. And I just kind of keep myself at that level uh, because then it helps me kind of keep a cool head when things do get stressful. Mm -hmm. Because I keep remembering these are music videos and we are so privileged to do this stuff and we are not solving any world problems. We are not solving hunger or things that are really meaningful like that. We're, mm-hmm. we're only like possibly inspiring somebody, you know, maybe even inspiring a person or two. So I think it's just kind of keeping things in perspective helps me not to like totally lose my mind and stress out because it's not worth it, right. <laughs> you know, so, so it's just kind of just being like, you know what, I can turn this off and I can go home. You know, so sometimes I just kind of count down like, ooh, 12 more hours and then we're home, you know, so that just is really stressful. But for the most part, it's just kind of, you know, just knowing that things are going to get done. It might be a stressful moment, but we're going to figure it out at some point. So that's always super helpful. And that's a good point to just keeping things in perspective that it's not mm-hmm. that serious because, yeah, being on set, it can be stressful. Like you'd be looking at people like, look, it can be stressful, yep. And and a lot of times, I like I love when people are on my sets and they'll say, you know what, this actually was one of the funnest experiences I had on your set because I really try really hard to only work with people that have my same mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I hire somebody that's not like that, they do stick out uh, because they aren't like the rest of us. But if you can't work at a high level, under stress, and have a good time and execute, then you probably aren't the right person to work with me because you're not going to stress us out or have a bad attitude or be mean. All this stuff is just, you know, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, that is absolutely Mm -hmm. true. And then one sidebar to that, because when you mentioned 12 hours, it made me automatically think, so I'm going to ask you, because we have this like pool going on with all my other friends that are like in film and um, do just any type of work on set. What shoes do you wear to be comfortable? Because like you said, you're on your feet for 12 hours. Do you have particular shoes or no? That's something we've been trying to figure out collectively. Like what are comfortable shoes? We're over here. Yeah, mainly any type of sneaker um, is good. Because for the most part, you know, I was going to say you aren't going to be sitting out or standing the whole time, but you will. But it's mainly but you are going to be running back and forth on your sneakers the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, so as long as there are sneakers that are your size, that fit you, and don't fit your sister and do stuff like I used to when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think any type of sneaker is good. Sometimes I would have 
um, young ladies come and sit. And I understand that they're going to try to impress me and they'll wear their suits and heels. I'm like, go home. <laughs> come go back home. <laughs> Don't even wear boots. You know, just wear some yeah. sneakers and some good socks. Yeah. So just to rewind just a little bit, you also interned for BET and Rap City, just to name a few. What, during that time, did your internship teach you that you didn't learn in school, if you had to pick one thing? Oh, I learned so much through internships. Uh, it would probably be um, speaking up, mm. because I was definitely a quiet kid, and even now I have to tell myself to speak up, say something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I was mainly, I was a really big introvert back then, mm-hmm. but just, just seeing that you have to say something, whether it's a light going to fall or, you know, a edit is due and it's supposed to be 20 minutes, it's only 18, whatever it is, it's just, then I just kind of learned, it's like, I have to say something. I can't just sit back and just let stuff happen and think somebody's going to figure it out. Even if the producer figures it out, I can still give them a hit up to something that I see. So I think that was the, the biggest experience, the biggest uh, thing I learned. And that's a good point, because do you think that women necessarily, because I know you said that you're an introvert, but do you think women struggle with that, just feeling empowered to be able to speak up in that type of atmosphere? Um, yeah, I think it's women. Um, and it really just goes back to just having the knowledge. And if you have the knowledge, then you know you do feel like I can say what I want to say because I am correct in the same. Um, and I think sometimes women don't just kind of um, get by on, oh, hey, I'm a woman on set, so that's why I'm on set. Or are these other guys around me know more than me? Or kind of get intimidated because most of us are a lot of white males. So a lot of times they don't know, you know. So sometimes it's me saying, no, nope, we aren't doing that, you know. So I think right. it's just kind of women just having um, taken time to learn more and know more so they can feel more comfortable when they are on set and don't let anybody, any guy intimidate them because it is a, a big part of it. They, they aren't trying to. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of naturally happens from, you know, because things are going very fast. They know what they know. They feel like the woman might feel like she does not know. So, yeah, I think it all goes back to knowledge. And, and knowledge. Then, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Because if, mm-hmm. you you know, if you do know what you are sure about, you're like, no, I know. So Right. Mm-hmm. And then for women, like, let's say, because you did have the opportunity to have your internship when you got out of school and build from there for women who let's say that they just realize in their thirties or late thirties, Hey, I want to be a filmmaker in any capacity. And they know that they can't necessarily go to school or, you know, do an internship. What suggestion do you have for them? Right. And so when I did my internships, I did them when I was in school. So by the time I got out of school, I was like, well, who wants me to, I'm ready to work, you know, right then. Um, And so for, people now but you don't have to go to school I always tell people that I went to school but you don't have to go to school for film like there are so many people I, majority of the people that I work with on set crew members mm-hmm. never went to school for film they just kind of picked it up and then they might take a workshop here or there um like the Atlanta Film Academy um you can take a workshop I think for it's a two-day workshop and learn everything and that's probably better than going to a four-year school or they just kind of were self-taught um, I feel like I learned most of just from interning and just being self-taught. So it's really just kind of starting now and figuring out, like, you know, what sets you can get on, what production manager, director, or whoever will let you on their set. And and also just kind of starting yourself, you know. You can mm-hmm. start with your iPhone and start with iMovie and just, you know, not waiting on people to give you opportunities. 
But I think it's just starting, you know, especially now you can really be anything you want to be at any point in time. So it's just kind of just saying, hey, let me see what, what part of production I want to participate in and figuring out who are some people that I can mentor or be a mentee to. And, and, and when you have mentors, you don't even have to know that person for real. It can be just somebody you admire online because I have a bunch of people like that. Never met them. But they're my mentor. They may not know it. You know, and just kind of follow all their steps and, and, and figure out what they did and kind of do that same thing. Yeah. And that's a good point. You don't have to know them because I think that's the other thing, too, that we were I was talking with somebody uh, last season. They were saying that they wish they could mentor more people, but just because they've become so busy, it's Mm -hmm. harder. So I think that people get this misconception, like you said, that you have to know them. No, like go look, research, follow what they did and make it your own. Right. And then when you do get a mentor and if it's somebody that you can talk to, because what I find is like, so this year is my first year that I decided I'm not taking any mentees or interns. Like if people happen to be on set with me, then I'll kind of see. But usually I usually have a few people under my wing. I think all my career I've had that people under my wing that I'm kind of teaching and giving knowledge to and opportunities. But it's just so exhausting and so draining. And what happens a lot of times I've been finding is that people they really don't want it. They just want to get around me or get on set and be like, oh, yes, I was on set. And when they're on set, mm-hmm. I have to fire them quickly because I'm like, you weren't working. I can I can put you in position and give you the information, but you have to work. You know, so I think mm-hmm. that's, and I'm not sure if it's social media or what it is that makes people think that they don't have to work really hard. So even for people that are looking for mentors, I would say, you know, even like check yourself, check, check your, um, you know, your intentions and are you really in it to, you know, work as hard as you can. Hard work may be just, you know, staying up for an all-nighter a few nights or it might be, hey, I might have to keep redoing this paperwork over and over again because it's times that I even have to redo stuff over and over again because it's not right. It has Mm -hmm. to be perfect. It can't just be okay because then I would have to fix it later because everything falls on the producer. So I kind of find that a lot of people just really don't want it. They only want to do a little bit. So I think it's just even if you're looking for a mentor, decide, do you really, how bad do you really want it? Or do you want it to really be handed to you? And I think that's the thing too, um, which was what I was going to ask you. I think it is part of social media that has made people that way because since like we have the opportunity to now see a little bit more behind the scenes, I think people have this instant gratification and they don't know Mm -hmm. the process of like, like what it took for you to get to where you are right now. So that is my question for you. What would people be surprised to know about your journey from starting school to right now? Like what is the in-between that people don't get to see? What would you want us to know about that? I think the surprise would be that there isn't a surprise. (laughs) You know, like sometimes, (laughs) you know, sometimes people want this moment like, ah, and then things change. It's not, it's literally just time, just timing and just doing the same thing over and 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 over again and just getting better and better and better. And I always tell people, if you want to be a producer and you want a producer in two years and you quit, you didn't really want to be a producer because it's really just, you know, going as hard as you can and learning as much as you can. Because I'm even hard on myself after each job, like after this Tiama job, I was so hurt. She even knew I was hurt because it didn't go as perfect as I wanted to. So I'm even hard on myself, always trying to look at what can I have done better each time. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just kind of a series of just like every day getting better 
um, whatever, even if it's, you know, listening to a podcast or taking a course or reevaluating yourself or even deciding, like, do I still want to do this? Um, so I think the biggest thing is just consistency and just doing stuff over and over until you get to where you want to be in that and realizing that might take some time. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. People don't want time. They want to be Oprah. Mm-hmm. This, this last week, I'm telling you, I want to be a motivational speaker. And this week, I need to be Oprah. And I don't understand why I'm not Oprah. Like, that's mm-hmm. not how it works. Yeah, they want you to give them steps one through 10 and tell them it takes exactly 1.5 years. And then that's right. it. Right. And, yep, and then that's it. And, and for some people, it does happen that way. But right. that's because they have like a raw talent and we I think we all have a raw talent but it's just kind of figuring out what that is your raw talent may not be directing what you may want to be and you can be because you're going to outwork the next person that does have a raw talent so I think you're just kind of figuring out like is my raw talent strong enough for me to do something right now or am I just going to have to or is my hard work and I feel like for me my hard work is kind of what puts me over other people because I just work really hard Mm-hmm. And I have a little um, create. I mean, I'm super creative, but it's more of my hard work. Um, you know, even when it comes to clients and people, it's like, well, shoot, at least I know she's going to outwork everybody and just not give up on myself and others. So I think he has to be one of the two, but um, raw talent or hard work, but you still have to give yourself time, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. on, the, on the production end, what right now is your favorite part of it? If you had to pick whether it was being a producer, director, what is your director? <laughs> I'm like easy director because I started off. I went to school to be a director. I didn't go to school to be a producer. I just kind of fell into this mess. I'm just saying. <laughs> you are listening. No, you're the second producer. Like I just interviewed somebody last week, and she basically is saying the same thing you just said. See how everything is there. You can never turn off. You are on the production sometimes longer than everybody, longer than the, the director at, at times if you're brought on first. And sometimes you and the director are on the same amount of time. But it's just a long process. And everything really is your problem. You don't ever have a, have one of those like, hmm, they'll take care of it. The day that's going to take care of it is you. So right. uh, I really have been enjoying going back to directing and going back to photography because that's uh, where I started. And it took me maybe two years to kind of say, finally say, let me just really stop producing as much because I just wasn't enjoying it. It was be, it was becoming really stressful, and and I kind of realized like the like I was like, well, maybe if I get to this level of production and work with this artist and this budget, it'll be the same. It's still some of the same issues, the same stress. So that's when I was like, mm, yeah, this just isn't for me right now. So I think the funnest part is just concentrating on directing. And because of that, it's, I can't, I am kind of starting over a little bit because I have to say, well, now I have to reprove myself as a director because like I've had um, a bunch of people come to me and want me to write treatments, but it's still just like, hmm, but what have you directed really? Like I directed a video last year for Hustle Gang and maybe like two others, but I don't have a big video of a big roster of uh, directing music videos. I have a lot of stuff directing commercials. So it's just like redoing that over and over. Mm-hmm. Are we doing it kind of like when I started producing? So, you know, it's like now I'm back to square one again. But I, I like that because now I'm at least putting all the energy that I would put on directors and helping their dreams come true. I'm, I'm doing it to myself now. So, right. you know, I like it a lot. 
Well, that's good. And then I was going to ask you, so what is different for you for your creative process for directing videos versus commercials? Do you have a different process or do you think it's about the same? Um, I think it's the same like mental process of kind of letting yourself daydream um, or sometimes I let myself just like read magazines or just kind of let something pop out and inspire me. But now as far as the technical process, um, it is a little bit different because um, commercials or just corporate stuff is just more, um, it's less stressful because everything is black and white. They want to talk. We want to have meetings. We're going to plan, plan, plan this thing out, you know, mm-hmm. and music videos really aren't aren't like that. A lot of times it's more just like, here's a treatment, shooting this tape, boom, and stuff goes really fast. So I do like having a little bit more time to plan and think stuff out when it comes to like commercials and corporate spots. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about reclaiming napping. I watched it. It was really good. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it was really good. So for people who don't know, tell us what reclaiming nappy is about. Reclaiming Nappy is my first film. It's a documentary about hair and uh, what the word nappy still means. Um, And it's also a celebration piece because the natural hair movement is so big right now, but I didn't feel like we had a film that celebrated that. Mm -hmm. Like all the films about hair, about the word nappy are just so, it feels like you're watching like a slavery picture because it's Mm -hmm. just like so downtrodden. So it's mainly just to put something out there and I've been procrastinating on doing a film. So this was like the low hanging fruit for me. I knew about hair. Um, I did hair when I was younger. I'm creative director of The Cut Life. So I knew I had an audience to, to watch it. So I was like, let me just at least start. So this kind of helped me start a film. Uh, and, it's, it, and it was doing decently. I, I kind of planned it as this would be my film to say, hey, I'm directing films for real people. But, you know, you have to have something in hand to show. Um, and since then, I've actually directed a narrative that I wrote, and I'm editing that now. Um, and, I'm about, and I'm about to shoot another short film, too. Um, but that just really helped me say, oh, well, I did it. And this mm-hmm. is all I had to do. So, yeah. okay. I know for you, like you said, okay, I did it. And this is a thing that everybody, like, complains, not complains, but are like, Siobhan, okay, you always tell us, just do it. So tell us in your words, like, what does just do it mean? Like, how did you bring your, I call my projects, but how did you bring your baby to life? Like, what were the steps that you took besides saying, okay, I'm gonna really do this? That's a great question. Because sometimes when I go to panels, I'm just like, okay, so what did you do? You know, give me more details. I want to do everything. So um, first, I had the idea just one day. um, And I was like, hmm, I should do a film about nappy and how, you know, so here's how the idea started. Um, on the cut life, I posted a question that we got from one of our fans, and she was like, "Hey, can y'all let me know the best hair products for my coarse nappy hair?" So I copied and pasted it, and our followers went in on us. They were like, "Why would y'all use that word nappy?" Blah 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 blah, and they went in us on us so bad that we had to take it down. And then I just that just stuck with me. I was just like, "Why? Why are people so bothered by that word mm-hmm. so badly?" And then so one day I was like, "Well, maybe that's why what I should do a film about something that I'm already curious about." So um, I called up my tribe, which is my little sister and my big sister, and asked them what they thought. Because my family is super uh, critical on movies. A lot of times if I have to watch a movie and don't feel like it, I'll ask my sister because she watches everything and she'll tell me about it. And then my younger sister is super pro-black, so she's going to tell me if she thinks it's going to work. So I need those two. So they were both down for it. 
Um, and then from there, I just started to write it out. Like, what does it look like? How will it start? What kind of interviews do I want to get? So I was like, well, let me go to black hair festivals like Curl Fest. Let me um, ask different women that I think are voices in this space, uh, like Vanessa DeLuca, who was at the time the editor of Essence Magazine. And I knew that I was going to see her um, when we did an event at Essence with the Cut Life. And really just reaching out to people that I knew that I could tangibly touch. Like I knew that I could tangibly touch Karen Sybil because we worked for her all the time. And she's one of our friends and she, she, she's a big cheerleader for women. So I knew if I actually she was going to say yes, because she's great at like planting seeds, you know. Right. So um, when I got the chance to see her, she was like, yep, come on. And, and just kind of doing it like that, where I was like, if the cut life was somewhere, then I would say, like, hey, look, here's some questions that I want to ask you about the cut life. But also, then I would say, now, how do you feel about the word nappy? Um, and then I wanted to just try to make it um, entertaining. So I decided to let, to add a narrative part of it. So I just kind of was like, let me just add a little narrative portion. And just use all my resources, like um, the girl that's in the film is my friend Mara. And I wanted a girl that had beautiful curly hair that was really kinky curly and wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, those soft Latin curls. So that's not nappy, you know. Right. So, um, and I had Mara and then the lady, her mom in the film is my mom. And my mom was always like, let me know if you need a little old lady. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I need a little old lady. So just re- really just reaching out to all my resources that I had. And that kind of helped me um, write my write the film or just, you know, decide how I want to do it. Because I'm like, I have people around me I can act. And I think that's the biggest thing with completing the project is using your resources that you have. Um, and then when it came to the the editing part, I did it. So it really took me like two years to do this because I was doing everything myself. I shot it myself. Um, during the narrative portion, I had some videographers that I hire all the time. Mm-hmm. So they, they worked for me for free that day because I used to hire them so much. So it's like just pulling all the favors. Um, and then, of course, when I got to New York for Curl Fest, I shot all that stuff myself and I did the editing myself. Um, and just kind of knowing that since I was doing it myself, I, it was going to take a longer amount of time um, to do it. And then I just finally had the courage to put it out uh, last year. Um, and, then I, and then when I did put it out, I decided I kind of did the same thing where I just kind of took a weekend and just made all my marketing material, made the website um, and decided, like, where am I going to promote it and what I want to do with it. And I decided that I wanted to be a film that I mainly showcased to um, nonprofit groups profit groups that mainly have girls so they would be the most impacted by it because you know it's older women we kind of get it right girls tweens and teens they They don't get it those films right and get it and realize i'm good my curly hair is okay if i want to straighten it that's fine if i don't fine too but nobody's gonna make me feel bad about my hair i know that much and so that's been and that's been the most fulfilling too been able to show it to them um and then so now sometimes I'm just like, I am so tired of promoting this film. Um, so I'm probably, <laughs> probably going to put it to rest in February after I screen it um, to two more girl groups. But yeah, that's the whole process and just kind of taking, taking time to do it because, you know, documentaries are awesome. But at this stage, it's all your own money you're putting out for it. Right. So that's why I kind of took me some time to do it um, and, you know, some time and some favorites and I try to cast in my favorites when I want to direct something myself mm-hmm. uh, so then that way I know that people be like sure you you know you put me on something else so yeah so what do you think that you learned in the process of this is your own and this was your you know like your you did everything what did you learn in the aspect of marketing it because that's the next thing like people will 
do a yes. project and then it's like what's next okay like okay yeah <laughs> marketing is tough and so i um you know because although you can have your family and friends help but you need more than your family and friends to help you promote it so i actually reached out to um i researched a lot, a lot of natural hair bloggers on instagram with high followers like voice the hair or natural hair love and i asked them their rates and i actually paid them to post snippets of um snippets that were claiming nappy and that was super helpful because i want i want to show them that hey i respect your platform mm -hmm. and i respect your business so i want to pay you let me know how much it costs to post this um and they posted and that happened a few times um and then i also that also helped me see because i also wanted to see like how it'd be uh, received by people that weren't my friends and family mm. um yeah. and i think it was received well but also but it still just kind of is one of those films just like a it makes people uncomfortable until they watch it but you know just seeing it i think makes people a little bit uncomfortable but it was still a really good feedback for me so um and then i think just helped seeing like what people are attracted to so i would do i did maybe um i did three posters and then four video snippets and it helped me kind of see like oh people like this clip the best and so it helped me learn about marketing films too um like it's one clip I had a, a portion of the interview where a girl saying, yeah, I love my hair. Then another clip where a girl says, natural hair is popping. If you ain't getting natural hair, I'm sorry for your life. <laughs> I know who so you're talking like about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that clip right there always does the best. That one and the full trailer usually do the best. Um, and then also people like the, uh, it's nappy still a bad word thing. So kind of just seeing what's the most uh, provocative but still um, has some integrity behind it. So it's been, it's been it's been really cool, and it's been helping me with how I think about other films and you know how I want to showcase those. And you know, I think all my films will always have some you know type of thing that uplifts Black women in it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just kind of finding different avenues of doing it. So do you see yourself doing more documentaries, or do you want to go over to narrative, or however you feel led? Yeah, hi, Raphael. Lit. Uh, definitely do more documentaries. Um, and there's a few that I've kind of been thinking of, but I just need to do more research on them. Um, and this narrative that I just did will help me see how strong I am in the narrative space. Um, like I already feel like I need to, you know, get a writing partner, and I'm understanding like the importance of that. Um, so it's kind of a new world, but I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm super open-minded now. I think sometimes we kind of pigeonhole ourselves when we say oh I only want to do this genre but we might be really strong in another area like I feel like my what I'm really strong at actually has been comedy mm -hmm. um, and the narrative I did is, is a comedy it's kind of like a rom-com but I found I'm like wow well, I am because I think I'm funny <laughs> <laughs> and so when I so I just took little jokes that I tell myself or that I see happening on paper mm -hmm. and I'm like oh well that is a strong area. So, um, and I usually test it by friends and family because they'll, you know, they'll let you know. Like, mm -mm, I didn't laugh the whole time. <laughs> right. They will. <laughs> they will. They'll be like, try again. <laughs> they will. So I'm just like, I'm trying to go like even the Judd Apatow lane. I really love his work. So I'm like, well, maybe that's kind of my lane. So I'm still kind of figuring it out, you know. And yes, and I definitely will tell you that because I, um, we have a writers group. And that's so mm -hmm. funny that you said that because I was getting feedback on something I was writing or tweaking. And I was like, I don't usually write this. I was just hired to write this. And this is not my thing. And like, 
<laughs> they read me in the group so bad. They were like, don't you ever say this is not what you write. You're a storyteller. You tell stories. Right. Yeah. I was like, sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm learning. I'm like, I have so much respect for writers and t- as well just like the process and so I've been you know using like uh this thing called the master class to just kind of listen to other writers like wow because I, I know that I'm definitely like a visual person a little bit more short-winded so um so I can think of the concept and I think that's probably why I've been focusing on short films because mm. they are perfect lane for me and when it comes to other things I think I just would need more support but the short films are kind of my way to to stick my little toe in and see what this is about yeah and I think Mm -hmm. that's what well yeah most people do try like let me try how I am in short and then they like take the leap so Mm -hmm. so I wanted to ask you because also I know that you're all about like business and entrepreneurship why do you think that uh filmmakers or creatives have a hard time monetizing like their craft um because people only want to do their own thing Mm. i think you know people don't want to if you don't want to work for somebody else well you well you need to have clients and you can feel like i'm not working for other people because they're my clients but you still are doing work on their behalf um i think that's the biggest thing that i see like because um, I see that all the time with young videographers and stuff. I'm just like, why don't you shoot for that person? Or they don't want to adapt their style. I get so many corporate clients that I shoot for. They are, this, their style isn't necessarily my style because it's point and shoot kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're still, you know, fans of my work. And, you know, I'm fans of them and the respect level is high. And, you know, you just kind of, because uh, I can ramble all day, sorry. No, 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 you're <laughs> I, good. I myself. I always tell myself, don't ramble. But yeah, I think that's the main thing is this: <laughs> a lot of creatives just don't, they only want to do their own thing. They don't want to even expand. You can do your own thing. Like like most of the time when I'm working with people, I'm Maya, the cool black girl. That's fine, whatever. You got the check for me, perfect, you know. Right. And I think a lot of people don't want to put themselves in different environments. They only want to shoot these videos. They only want to shoot urban, you know, and that's just not enough to, um, I mean, it can be enough if you're a director at a certain level, but for most people, it's just not enough to, you know, sustain you. So you do have to say, how can I take my style and do it for other people? And a lot of times it's, you know, you have in a higher level of communication, you know, and, and I do that a lot with videographers because they'll want to like text me their edits. I'm like, no, you have to email me and just kind of like retraining them on how to communicate, especially when you want to do corporate level work or any other type of work. You don't text me, email me, you know, so it's like going about things a different way. So what I do is I, um, I have a few clients, uh, like make a wish I've had for a while in the nonprofit space and emerging 100 are my nonprofits I work with, but then I have local clients. Like there's a, um, a restaurant here called kill me crazy. Um, there's a lighting company here called Eden Lights and Lighting. They make lighting fixtures for like the airport or Home Depot. Uh, then I have a few other clients like, um, Ticketmaster or Jack Daniels. And usually those are all clients that kind of refer me to each other a lot mm-hmm. of times. And some of them are just like, you know, referrals. I'm actually 95% referral based. So it's really based on me treating this client right. And some kind of way, somebody is going to refer me to the next person where there's a client or an assistant director, whoever. Um, but it's just kind of being able to, um, you know, change your language or change your style just a little bit so that it fits corporate wise. 
That's a really good tip. And I, and that's funny. I was going to ask you, how do you get your clients? But you said it's 95% referral based. Oh, I, no, I was going to say, yeah, it is a uh, referral based because I always, you know, and that's why I'm always so disappointed when it comes to like interns or new people. And it's like you, people that don't even follow up with me sometimes, like even if they did bad on set, something dropped on set. But it's like you never called me. You never followed up with me, the producer, the person that's hiring me. You need to follow up. So the follow up game has to be really strong. So like if I already know a client already liked me and the job went well, I will take, you know, $50 or even can be $15 and send them a gift, whether it's a Starbucks gift card or something people just like being acknowledged. So that's another way I retain clients. Because basically people don't need production services all the time, but when they do need it, I need them to be like, Maya's going to do it. I don't need this all the time, but when I do, Maya's going to do it. You know, so you want people to always think like that. And then when other people need it that one or two times, they're going to say, oh, we should, you know, go to her. So a big part of it is, you know, not, you know, no matter how big or small the client is, if you say yes to them, you know, even if it's my sisters and I'm doing stuff for them, I do it at a high level just because it's more of a respect thing. And I think people can feel that mm-hmm. and they want to come back to you. Um, and then that's kind of how you put the energy out there and get referred. Cause it really all does kind of work together and, you know, being positive, having integrity and working at a high level. But if you just been like, mm, I think it's people do that to me too. I hire videographers and I usually test them on small jobs. So one time I, I hired this young man and Somebody wanted me to shoot their 70th birthday party for their dad. And I think the girl was a, a referral from like a friend. So it was kind of like a family thing. I'm like, that's fine. I'll do it. So I was like, let me hire this videographer to do it with me. And he just did like, I wasn't impressed. Like it didn't look like the stuff that he did on his social media page, which is why I hired him. Mm-hmm. So when I saw his work, it was really disappointing. I'm just like, cause he, cause I knew his mindset was like, mm, this is just this little birthday party. Let me just get this little money and go. Right. But, but I've never hired him since then. Because you just never know, like, you know, people at these birthday parties, like somebody worked for Delta, somebody worked over here. You know, just never know just because it's a birthday party, who you'll meet. You know, like I've met so many people in random places just based on, oh, I really like your work and I respect what you do. So um, I think the biggest thing is just, um, you know, taking every every opportunity has to be your best opportunity because you just never know who's going to see it, who's going to share it, who's going to say, don't go to that person, you know. Even if you do mess up on jobs, being able to, recover um it's really good because sometimes stuff happens on set and people will still work with me because they'd be like at least at least you saw the thing through shoot you know then that really means a lot to people yeah that's true and i mean that's funny that people do have that mindset it's like yeah this is not major so mm, let me just go ahead and get it over with but it's like no where's your work ethic and like your art for yourself it does every every drink everything is major like people like, oh, let me work with you on Make a Wish. And I have to tell them, you think I know how much I charge Make a Wish? Sometimes I charge them one hundred fifty dollars, two hundred fifty dollars, because what? They're a nonprofit and they have a big name, but they never have new budgets at all. Them things are like tiny, dirt. <laughs> you know, it's like nothing. So most of them when they call, it's like I'm doing it because I like it. I like them. They're great people. It's a great cause. But it's never any huge budgets at all. So it's more just like, you know, they they still are a great place. Of people that could refer me to somebody so I know if I ever need a referral they'll definitely be the first person to refer me to this company or that company you know yeah mm-hmm. so where do you see yourself going creatively like in the next year here I would definitely like to um, be as strong of a director as I am a producer 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of just like, you know, growing my eye and figuring out my style that has been the, the biggest thing I've been trying to do is figuring out what what is my style as a creative when it comes to music videos and also when it comes to narrative or documentary. So um, that's what I've been figuring out. So hopefully in a year I can say, well, now I've directed all this stuff and this is my style, I believe, and I'm still kind of working on it and towards it. That sounds good. And what advice do you have for women who want to be in film or even in the music industry? Any feedback that you want to give them? Yes. The feedback that I would give is to not get discouraged uh, by looking at social media or feeling like there are people that are already doing what you're doing. So what? There's literally nothing new under the sun. So the biggest thing is just starting and doing a little bit every day. And then next thing you know, you're going to look up and some months have passed and you know way more about television or production or whatever area um, of production that you want to learn about. But I think it's just kind of starting, starting by reading articles, started by um, going to masterclass.com and taking, um, just listen to those experts talk, going to skillshare.com, uh, or I think it's skillshare.net actually and taking workshops on there and figuring out what area of production you want to be in and just keep going at it, you know, and it's, it, and knowing that it's going to take a minute, there's no upfront, it's going to take a minute and that should kind of help, help you through the process and ease your mind. But the main thing is consistency and um, not worrying about what everybody else is doing. Do you? That's a good word right there. Don't worry about everybody else. Do you? about them you know it's a bunch so what there's so many female directors so they're not you right absolutely Mm -hmm. so let everyone know how they can keep in touch with you how they can connect or collaborate with you yeah you can connect with me um social media is at maya table m-a-y-a table i always say table like a dinner table (laughs) (laughs) so one one time side notes i know i was doing my outro but one time i told this guy i was like you know it's table like a picnic table and he said so your last name is picnic and i was like no no it's it's table (laughs) (laughs) because people ask me every week how to spell it don't doubt yourself but so yeah at maya table on all social media and um interestingly I, i used to get an email or a dm at least once a week or sometimes twice a week from people and I reply to everybody so if anybody ever wants to reach out to me I'll reply because people didn't reply to me when I was younger or just you know give me any types of words of encouragement so I try to be the opposite of that so yeah how would I play you and I try to do the same thing because yeah I hate it like I'll be like listen it's a one-line question not even trying to stalk you cut it out right exactly <laughs> cut it out <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on. I had such a good time. You gave some yeah, thank you too. good information and I can't wait to see your growth as a director because I know that you're going to be amazing at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you are. You got it. And everyone, thank you for listening. You know the drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live your filmmaking dreams. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what you want to hear from us. And until next time.